0: Alrighty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host of the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon, and we are absolutely honored to be joined today by Quarantineic, aka Parker Lewis. <laughs> How's it going, man? Oh, it's going fantastic, my friend. It's going fantastic. So, do you do a lot of these cons? Um, I, you might have just, I'm, 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 there we that. go. I put it right there. <laughs> hey, I actually, um, I, I do do quite a number of cons. Uh, oh, I do, do do. I hate it when I say that. We all do do. Yeah. <laughs> I do 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 I do do. Uh, Would you like a fidgety? And, oh sure, sure, sure. I've I'm, got a, a I'm in the middle of an interview right now. Oh so, no, it's okay, geez, but I'll definitely sage. take a fidgety. Just so everybody knows good. what a fidgety is, it's a tiny little rubber uh, skeleton thing that you can kind of stretch and pull and throw at people if you want. Um, but uh, uh, now I forgot what the question was. You do a lot of conventions. Oh, that's right. Uh, I've done more in the past. Um, mostly the conventions that I did were all overseas. I, I have a, I have, I'm like the days of David Hasselhoff of France. Uh, uh, I have a really big following over there and in Germany as well because Parker Lewis ran for decades over there whereas here in the US it went off the air in 94 and never came back on now it's on cracklecom at least the first two seasons are but over there uh, in, you know in many of the countries over there they just, they just it just was one of those shows they just loved and, and they and, and they just ran it and they cycled it and so there's a number of generations of people who uh, grew up with the show not just one generation uh, like here basically so and also, Stargate was very popular over there, and Supernatural was very popular over there, and The Stand is very popular over there. A lot of other projects that I've done. Uh, so, a lot of my travel was, was over there, I'm doing conventions, and in Australia as well. I've been to Australia like over 20 times, doing doing, doing cons, and uh, yeah, yeah, just fantastic, I really love it. So, I am starting to, to, to gravitate towards doing more in the U.S. right now, obviously because of uh, some of the travel restrictions and things like that going on and, and, and but it seems like it's gonna be opening up. I've already gotten a couple of offers for some, some cons in France next year. And I'll be looking forward to that. But uh, it's definitely it's definitely been an odd year two years hasn't it? <laughs> yeah right. Uh, but you did you get um, kind of inspiration to get into the industry because your parents were both in it? I did see that you watched the Goonies and found inspiration. That's such a great movie. yes that was my dad was uh, was assistant art director on Goonies, and he, you know, he, he was in charge of, of designing the entire ship and in inside inside the cavern. Uh, when I saw that movie, I'd been I'd been on sets that my dad worked on, and also my mom was in the music business and theater business as a graphic designer, and I was around a lot of the arts and entertainment, you know, scene my whole life. When I saw Goonies, and I saw how much fun those kids were having, uh, I knew how they made films. And I, and I understood the process, and I just thought, that's totally for me. And I was only, like, 10 years old, or, you know, I think I was 10 or 11 when that movie came out. And I started, I, I got into an acting class uh, pretty much within within less than a year of that movie coming out. I, I got into an acting class out in Los Angeles called Center Stage L.A. A gentleman named Kevin McDermott was the, uh, is the uh, uh the artistic director of this of that class. And it turned out to be one of the more reputable, if not the most reputable children's acting groups in Los Angeles. And we did, uh, within six months or so, we did a showcase. I did did a couple of scenes in it. One dramatic, one comedic, if I remember correctly. Um, and met with a bunch of ma- managers and agents after we did the, the showcase. Signed with an agent within the next couple of days and started auditioning the following week. Wow. And, and I got, the, the very first audition I went on was for a Suzuki motorcycle commercial, which oddly enough, somebody just found it online recently, which is really strange, because I, I hadn't seen it since the 80s. And uh, I got the job. It was like my first audition, got the job and was working. I was like, this is crazy, you know? And, and then I got, I got the movie uh, Tucker, the man in his dream, shortly after that. I think, I think one of the other, the next jobs I got before even Tucker, I think, or it might have been after Tucker, but I think it was before, was, was with uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. on Sidekicks with Gil Gerard, and uh, Ernie and I we have remained friends our entire lives. Uh, we ended up going to high school together, oddly enough, uh, but that said it was when I did the Francis Coppola film playing Jeff Bridge's son one of his one of his sons Christian Slater played the older brother and uh, there was then there was a, a, a young young almost a baby uh, that was uh, in it Anders Johnson I think was his name I can't recall uh, and Nina Shamosko played my my uh, my sister in it she was great but uh, that that really is what is what gave me some credibility in the, in the film and television world at that point was, was being cast by Francis Coppola. So after that, I was auditioning for much bigger and, and better projects. And, and then did I Know My First Name is Steven. Actually before I did I Know My First Name is Steven, if I remember. Yeah, no, no, I did I Know My First Name is Steven. And then right after that, I did uh, What's Alan Watching with Eddie Murphy. Oh, wow. Uh, but before I knew my first name is Steven, I did the last the last season of uh, Webster, uh, playing Nikki Papadopoulos, uh, the live-in cousin. I, I, my parents uh, had moved away to go help uh, natives in Africa learn how to grow potatoes. I mean, I, I, who, know, who knows who That's writes this crap? <laughs> I mean, just who writes this crap, right? But it was, it, you know, Emmanuel Lewis, who played Webster, was absolutely fantastic. We, we got along great. But Mam and George, they were a nightmare. They were an absolute nightmare. Uh, I won't even say their real names. But that that's uh, that, that all of that led up to doing I know my first name is Steven, got got an Emmy nomination for that, did uh, what's on Watching, which which uh, got me the the job on Parker Lewis because uh, the, the creator of Parker Lewis, uh, Clyde Phillips and Lon Diamond were at CBS at the time and they were creating Parker Lewis for CBS around the same time I was doing what's on watching. So when they saw what's on watching, they, they were like, Oh, this is the guy for me. For the job. So when they, when they, uh, when they got d- turned down for Parker Lewis by CBS, the rights to, the, to it re- went, went, you know, reverted back to them and they went and sold it to Fox. So when Fox picked it up, fortunately for me, I had done enough work at that point to be you know spicy enough for the network for them to go, oh yeah, totally'll we'll, 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 you know we, we won't argue casting him as that, as that role. And then what a great cast uh, on the side of that. Uh, you know everybody else in the show was fantastic. But uh, and then from there, obviously, Parker Lewis just, just you know that, that launched me into a whole other stratosphere. Uh, but during the time I was doing Parker Lewis, every hiatus I would do like a dramatic movie of the week, uh, you know, so so that people understood that I was a dramatic actor as well. That was very important to me. Yeah, I didn't want to be typecast at all, and I think that also well, one of the things that's helped me to, to survive going from child actor to adult actor is the fact that that uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't unwilling to audition, even though you know, and it really boiled down to I I, I had an ego experience when I was in, you know on Parker Lewis auditioning for something near the tail end of the show uh, before it got canceled, and I, and it was a it was a big job, and it would have it would have skyrocketed me into a, into a really big. You know, film career, and my ego got in the way, and I and I and I didn't want to pre- audition. I wanted to audition just for the producers, and I really shot myself in the foot by uh, by rubbing the casting director the wrong way. So, uh, you know. Fortunately for me, I, I was able to recognize very quickly my mistake, and from that point on, I was like, I'll audition for anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and with no with no qualms about it, like whatever, you want me to pre-read, you want me to do this, you want me to do that, I was like, I, I immediately understood very quickly, don't, don't bring your ego into the room with you when you're doing this kind of shit, and not only that, drop the ego anyway, the ego has no place, you know, in life, really, uh, it, it, it serves a subtle purpose, but not much more than that. So from then on, I, I was I was not worried about auditioning, and that, that really helped me to continue uh, working consistently. I mean, there hasn't been there hasn't I, I mean, there's not one when I was looking at my IMDb, I realized, holy, you know, there's not one year that has passed that I don't have some kind of some kind of job going on over this entire thirty yeah, some this. odd years of, of working working in the business. So uh, that's. That it's incredible, regardless of, of the, the, the size, scale, or, or, or you know, uh, um, financial side of, of, of movie making, regardless of all that, it's about working. You know, if you're, if you're an actor and you're not acting, then you're not an actor. You know, so for me, it's, it's about what, what can I bring to the project, not what can the project bring to me. That's a good, good way to look at it. <clears throat> now, I was kind of going to ask about how Parker Lewis got started for you, but we went into that. What yeah. were some of your fondest memories of working on um, On Parker Lewis, I'd say some of my fondest memories really were the camaraderie between myself and the, and the cast members. I mean, we, we had such a laugh on that show. There was this, I mean, every, we had worked really long hours on that show. On average, we were working 14 to 16 hours a day. Wow. And, and every now and then we'd jump into to 18 hours to 20 hours. One time we did a 21 hour day. Oh my God. You know, and that, and that was insane. You know, it was just, you, you, said, you, you go to work in the morning, you work all night and you and, and suddenly the sun's coming up. You're like, I'm still at work? This is crazy. But we all got along so well and we all had such, you know, it was such a, a really loose, uh, uh, artistic vibe on set that we just had a hoot. I mean, we were just constantly, you know, laughing between scenes and, and having a good time. It was very well produced. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the the crew was incredible, you know, and it was nonstop. It was just a, a fantastic time. And by the way, we don't have to let anybody know what, what shirt you're wearing, but I love your shirt. <laughs> oh my God, I don't even remember. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Um, you also did a movie that I haven't seen in years called Operation Dumbo. Yeah, man, I what that were you was like working on that. That was a great movie. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm working with Ray Liotta, Danny Glover, and Dennis Leary. Oh yeah, and that's just and Dougie Doug was on that as well. Uh, Dougie Doug was a great guy. We got along really well. He was so funny. I mean, he was such a he was such a, such a smart dude too. Really, such a sharp guy. Everybody was, but Dennis Leary. I mean, what a piece of work. You can't get you can't get a bigger piece of work than that. You take Dennis Leary, and you put him in a third world country. I just, I just set him let let him loose. Every day was a was a stand up comedy routine. Every single day, it, you know, actually, every morning in the in the makeup trailer, he would go into a diatribe about something that that that, that he saw that was all messed up or whatever. I mean, there was constantly. Motorcycle wrecks in in Thailand because you know pe- people drive like crazy over there, and, uh, and 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 I mean I can't I can't tell you how many wrecks we saw like really really bad wrecks like you know and you just be walking on the street and suddenly, bah, and there's bodies flying everywhere You're like oh my god, I mean this was this was in the in the 90s I'm hopefully it's 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 gotten a little safer over there I don't want to throw Thailand under the bus because I actually love Thailand very much I mean I had we were there five and a half months. Uh, and I just had the best time ever, it was incredible. The, oddly enough, we, we were supposed to be there uh, longer than that, but they had just, uh, it was during the Clinton administration and he had just extradited 12 time mafiosos to New York to stand trial for, uh, for heroin trafficking. And uh, probably other crimes as well, but that was the main one that they were focusing on. And so the the the, uh, the Thai mafia over there put a, put basically out on the news. They basically were like, "Hey, if we catch any Americans slipping, we're gonna kidnap them and we're gonna hold them hostage oh until we get our our, our our guys back." Oh my lord! And so, uh, in fact, at the at the uh, at the um, uh, production office, they received a fax from an unknown number that said. We'll, we'll, we'll kidnap your cast. Oh I swear to God. That's crazy. And so they just—they literally within one week they packed everything up, and we went to Florida, and we finished the last week that we were supposed to shoot in Thailand in Florida, uh, which wasn't a lot of, of stuff. I mean, like I said, we'd been there for you know five and a half months, so we shot almost the entire film. So we did one last week in Florida. For for some like like the scene when when, when the when the, uh, the 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 plane is on the like out in the middle of the, the, the jungle on a, on a like a grass runway and the elephant comes running out of the plane and all that that was in Florida, not Thailand but there wasn't a lot that we shot there. And then we did another, you know, couple of weeks in L.A. on some green screen stuff, doing doing some different things, and the interiors of the, of the airplane. So they had to build a special thing because the, the elephant actually wouldn't fit through the through the, uh, the the walk the walkway of those those C130s. The elephant couldn't walk in there. You know, it was it was too small. The opening was too small. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they had so uh, all the all the interior uh, airplane scenes with the elephant had to be shot on a soundstage uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, but but uh, so that was it was very you know, it was just incredible film. I mean I just had such a magical time. Sorry.
1: No go ahead. Go, no, no, keep going. Uh,
0: I didn't mean to interrupt. You no 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 interruption. <laughs> we right, right now. Here. This is the kind of thing you don't expect when you're doing interviews. Is the promoter come up and be <laughs> okay. like, "Give me the money, you owe me, bitch." <laughs> Where do you go? Uh, total is 280. Oh. Well, good. I'm glad you guys it. Delete that. Be <laughs> back in a minute. No worries. All right. But anyway. Um, What's the future hold for you? That's where I always end up. Well, I just finished a film, uh, uh, a couple of films, actually. Uh, but I just finished one that I'm really excited about, directed by uh, a, a good friend of mine, Braun Theron, and uh, no relation to Charlize. But uh, he uh, called Half-Dead Fred. He's a writer-director. Me and him have known each other for, for quite a long time now. And we've done some other stuff. We did a, a web series called Heat of the Beat. Uh, that was uh, I, I was kind of the comedic interlude on that. With uh, with also with a with a great actor, uh, Jordan Michael, Jordan C. Michael, fantastic actor, and he 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 also was on uh, Half Dead Fred with me. Half Dead Fred is about a, a, de- a detective who can talk to the dead. So he's like a medium detective, and, but he solves crimes as well. So he like he goes into haunted places to solve crimes that are happening in present time, and to, and, and and tries to, to to contact the dead to find out information about what happened to. These other people, so, you know. So it's a, it's a really great, well-written piece. It's it's a, it's kind of a film noir type of deal, but it's got a lot of humor to it as well. You know, very a very well-laced humor and, and an impactful emotional side to it. It's it's going to be a roller coaster ride for people. Um, uh, I hope to come here to Dark History HorrorCon next year if we can get it finished in time. It'd be a great place to do a screening of it. I know we're gonna do the premiere of it in, in Flint, Michigan, where we shot most of the film. But... Uh, you didn't drink the water, did you? Uh, I did, actually, <laughs> I okay? did. Yeah, 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 it's fine now. The water's it's fine in Flint. Rock. Just so everybody knows, the water is fine in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> uh, and and, and it's, a, it's a great town, too, I have to say. Awesome. They, they, we worked with uh, Joe Scopani, who runs, he, he, he kind of was like a co-producer on ground in Flint. And also runs, uh, he's he runs uh, the the Flint Public Arts Project, which which brings graffiti artists from all over the world to do huge murals on the side of buildings and stuff down there, and and that's how uh, that's how Braun knows him is because me and me and Braun know each other because we're both graffiti artists. I've been doing graffiti art since I was 10 years old, and I do you know a lot of mural work and stuff like that, and uh, and. And that's how we met, and I realized, oh, this guy's also working in the film business, and I am too, and so we've, we've done a, a number of different kind of things together over the years. But uh, but this is the most impactful uh, project that we've worked on, Half Dead Fred. Everybody look out for him. Follow Half Dead Fred. Look it up on everything you can look it up on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I think that's all there is. But uh, anyhow, uh, and then I'm supposed to leave in early December, I'm supposed to go down to Mexico to shoot a film about uh, a serial killer, playing a serial killer. Not not a real. It's just a, a, a fake story. It's not, not based on anybody in real life. But it's with the same company called Tort Films that I just did a movie called Day Labor with uh, last la, last year. Yeah, last year. And it's uh, Day Labor is a really dark, dark movie uh, about uh, the border. And some some crazy you know, like rednecks live that live uh, on a border property and they basically like kidnap people who sneak across the border they kidnap them and then they hunt them and give them a chance to get back across the border before they if they catch them they kill them or they can get back across the border and live oh, nice. and uh, but they, but they accidentally uh, kidnap a, an ex-military dude who, who's just who's just working day labor work with, with other immigrants who are coming across the border and uh, and so he gets gets wrapped up in it by accident, but he's an ex like Marine, so he wow. like he so he like brings it and like takes it to the family, and uh, and ends up you know getting getting the revenge or whatever. So it's it's going to be a very uh, you know controversial movie, I would say in, in some respects. Uh, uh, my, my my main focus on it was to, to, was to do my best to not to not make it. Uh, a, a, a racially driven kind of piece with my character or anything like that, as much as it was more about their, like, the character's point of view and everything. But, you know, that, that, it's such a topic, uh, obviously. And I think that, that, that the film itself will probably end up doing well because of that. Uh, but, the, but the company, uh, the, the company that Toric Films, the company that, that produced it, they're great guys. I just did a, a, another smaller part in a film that I co-wrote with a director, Brian Skiba, uh, who did oh, yeah. Rotten Tail with me, and a bunch, I've done about like five or six films with Brian Skiba, but Rotten Tail is one that, that the fans out there might really like if they can find it, where it's a, it's a horror comedy. Uh, I play a scientist who gets bitten by a mutated rabbit in a lab and slowly transforms into a half-man, half-bunny. Oh my God. And then goes back to his hometown of Easter Falls and seeks revenge on all the bullies that he had in high school. Uh, it's great, it's, it's, it's a classic. <laughs> And it's done in the vein. T- t- it's supposed to take place in the 80s, you know, the you know the time period, and it's done like in the classic kind of 80s horror slasher movie thing. So it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. Uh, and I, I mean, I just had an absolute blast on it. So uh, there, you know, there's an incestuous circle in there, you know, with all with all the relationships. Most of the films that I've done in the last, gosh, 15, 20 years, practically, are, are the majority of them are, are through my own personal relationships that I've 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 made by doing different, you know, smaller films and getting to know the producers and all that. Very um, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you played Richard Speck, you played Ted Bundy, so you have that serial killer experience, so to say, in the films. Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. And, and I do like playing those darker roles. Uh, so I think that uh, I think it'll go over really well. It's so strange me in a horror convention some of the things you see that pass by you. Right. I mean, come over and say hi at, oh, at, at hi. At the table? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right in the middle of an interview. Give me one second. No, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so wrapping up, with as nice uh, um, fingernails as that, they can get away with anything. <laughs> right. Uh, wrapping up, where can anybody find you if they have like a convention or a movie project? I would say just go, just go to, I, I'm really only active on Twitter and Instagram at this okay. point. I, I don't do Facebook. Uh, I do have a Facebook out there, but it's sort of like, it's like that, that lost island that you don't, that nobody can find. Uh, but Instagram and Twitter are the exact same address. It's the letter I, the letter M. So I M or I am, or i am or instant message. Like that's how. It was, uh, and then okay. then my name Corin Nemec. C O R I N N E M E C. So I am Corin Nemec on both of those. Uh, the same address makes it a little easier for people to, to, to right. find me. And uh, and from there, you know, uh, we can uh, we we can create the future. <laughs> Very cool, Coral. I hope to see you next year. Yeah, buddy. Thanks keep great. going. That'd be great. As they are. Yeah, yeah, man. That'd be great. And uh, thanks so much for joining You me. bet, my brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And God bless you all. Good night. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a great night.